Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Bless your name, Lord. We bless your name. Amen, church. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to Vineyard Live in the parking lot. If you're new here today, uh, my name is Tom Paquette. It's my privilege to serve as one of the pastors here, and it's my turn to welcome you this morning. And uh, as you are aware, perhaps by now, we are holding church in the parking lot in accordance with the guidelines put out by the uh, Public Health Department. And we're trying to be good citizens and worship the Lord at the same time. And uh, so we would ask you please to remain in your cars during the service. Also, I would like to point out on your announcement sheet sheet that all the Thursdays of May, we are actually hosting a Red Cross blood drive here. And uh, so if you would like to sign up to give blood on Thursday afternoon or evening here at the Vineyard, you can follow that website there. And uh, I think they did really well this last, uh, last Thursday, and they were really grateful to have been here. Again, if you are not on our email list uh, and you're here hearing this now, we would love to just communicate with you so you can know what's going on. Just go ahead and send, uh, send your uh, address into info at gcvineyard.org, and we'd love to, we'd love to uh, include you as well, okay? Well, church, uh, once again, we will not be receiving a physical offering this morning, but I just have to tell you, you guys are amazing. Uh, you guys have just been so faithful in the tithes and the offerings, and uh, uh, it's just a remarkable thing just to, just not to have to worry about that and be concerned about that during this time. So thanks so, so very much for that. You can, of course, um, continue to give your tithes and offerings by way of uh, either visiting our website or some other way, I don't know. Mail, that's it, that's the other way, wasn't it? Yeah, we st- the mail is still moving. And uh, again, once again, uh, as we prepare to just pray for our offering, we just uh, ask you, if you're a guest here today, super welcome, we're glad that you're here. Maybe you're here, you belong to another church and it's just not able to meet right now and you're here, uh, we're so happy that you're here. We do ask that as we receive our offering that you would... Uh, that you would hold on to your offering for your own home church because they continue, of course, to need require your support as well. And we're just so super happy to have you here as our guest. So let's pray, church. Father, uh, again, we're so grateful for your love and grace and mercy in our lives. We're so grateful, Father, that, that, you, uh, that you have met our need in the midst of this time, that you have met our need. We are so grateful, Lord, that you have... You have fulfilled Psalm 91 over this fellowship and that not one person in this fellowship has contracted this disease. Thank you, O Lord. We bless your name, O Lord. And as we prepare, Father, to just respond to you in obedience with our tithes and offerings, we pray that you'd bless it, Lord. We pray that you'd show us new ways to be generous with it in the world, Father. Come, we pray now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, kiddos. Hi, Heather. One of my favorite parts of the service. It's time for a kid's song. Pastor Tom's going to join us. Hey, can stage. I stay? Ha. Yes, please. Oh. please we're gonna sing that takes a whole lot of trust, boys and girls, up here. I'm just saying. You see it moving, right? It's not just my imagination. <laughs> well, happy Mother's Day. How many of you kids out there have ever spit gum into your mom's hand? Or had your mom... 
clean your face with her finger just after she licked it? Pretty gross, huh? But no matter what, our moms, grandmas, they clean us up, don't they? After a day of playing outside, dirt all over our feet and hands, we know that we can come inside and they'll give us a hug. And then they'll tell us to go take a bath or shower, right? Well, listen to this. One night, Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner. Now, the Pharisees, they were known to point out when someone did something wrong. But Jesus, he was all about loving the people, even if they had done wrong. Well, while Jesus was at this house, a woman, someone the people in the town called sinful, came to the house. While she was standing near Jesus, she began to cry. And her tears were dropping on Jesus' feet and making him wet. So the woman took her hair, and she wiped Jesus's feet dry, and then she poured perfume on them. Now, guys, I want you to imagine something for me. I want you to imagine your feet covered in dirt, like you didn't wear shoes all day long, and now you have to clean your feet. Well, that's, that was Jesus's feet. They walked on dirty roads, and they didn't wash their feet every day. They could walk through some pretty nasty stuff. But this woman, she bent down, and she washed Jesus' feet with her tears. She dried them with her hair, and then she kissed them and poured perfume on them. Jesus tells her that she's forgiven and that her faith has saved her. Kids, no matter what you've done, there is nothing that you can do that will make Jesus love you any less. The woman in this story did something really awesome by washing Jesus' feet and pouring perfume on them. You don't have to do that. Jesus just wants you to follow him. So today, on Mother's Day, a good way to show Jesus that you love him is by honoring that special person that God gave you, that lady who takes care of you when you're sick, feeds you, helps you with your school. Whoever that person is, kids, I want you to do something today. I want you to say thank you. Say the words, and then show them how much you appreciate all they do for you. And it doesn't have to be anything big. Now, I want you all to imagine how much you think your moms, grandmas, aunts, how much they love you. Just imagine it. It's a whole lot. Well, would you believe me if I told you that Jesus loves you even more than that? Well, he does. Happy Mother's Day. Good morning, church. Good morning. It is so good to be with you all today. My name is Christian Root. I'm the associate pastor here at the Vineyard, and we are so thankful you're joining us today. And so I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to jump on into today's message. And so would you, would you pray with me now? Father, we, we thank you for this day, and, and we do thank you for the moms in our midst, God. We just praise you and thank you. Uh, for those in our midst who are, are watching over kids, both big and, and young. And we pray for those in our, in our community as well who have lost children recently or have lost a mother. God, those who might be grieving today because of infertility issues, because of uh, an estrangement with their parents or with their child, we, we pray your comfort for them as well. 
We thank you, Father, that you are a father to us, a mother to us, that, that even if our family forsakes us, you will never forsake us. I, I pray, Jesus, right now that you would put power on my words, that you would meet us in this great time of need for many of us, and would you come and glorify yourself right now, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, all right. Well, let me jump on in. You know, around 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah the prophet, he said this about the coming Messiah in Isaiah 42, verse 3. He said, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah prophesied that this coming Messiah would not use his power and his authority to abuse his own. Rather, in gentleness and in kindness, he would refuse to break the bruised reed and he would refuse to snuff out the smoldering wick. Friends, when Isaiah looked ahead to the coming Messiah, he looked ahead to a king of kindness. To a king of kindness. Do you have any idea, church, how kind Jesus is? How gentle Jesus is. How gracious Jesus is. Even the briefest of journeys through the four Gospels offers us a picture of a man who could not help but extend mercy and kindness to those who did not deserve it. Over and over throughout the Gospels, Jesus is described as feeling compassion or, or being moved with compassion for others. And this word compassion in the Greek, it means to be moved in the inward parts, in the bowels, as folks used to say. It's a yearning for others, a longing for the good of others that rises up from the very depths of one's heart. To gaze upon Jesus in the Gospels is to observe a man who lives and breathes compassion and concern for others. Dane Ortland, in his wonderful book called Gentle and Lowly, says this about Jesus. <clears throat> he says, The cumulative testimony of the four Gospels is that when Jesus Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, his deepest impulse, his most natural instinct, I love that, is to move toward the sin and the suffering around him, not away from it. And friends, this isn't just who Jesus was in the Gospels. It's not as if Jesus was concerned with the plight of man while he walked on earth, but he now sits at the right hand of the Father, oblivious or apathetic to our struggles. No, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same Jesus who wept at Lazarus' tomb, the same Jesus who had compassion on the masses because they were like sheep without a shepherd, the same Jesus who told the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you, is the same Jesus who is currently seated on his throne interceding for us. And this Jesus, this Jesus church, he longs to show us his kindness and mercy if we would but let him. 
And so this morning, I want us to unpack Isaiah chapter 42, verse 3, because I believe this verse has quite a lot to teach us about the kindness and the compassion of Jesus. And so let's jump right in. To begin, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 3 shows us that Jesus longs to show kindness to the hurting, to the hurting. A bruised reed he will not break, Isaiah tells us. We're given a picture of a tall and slender reed that has been bent or, or twisted, perhaps under the boot of a man or, or by the hand of a small child. The, the reed, it's on its last leg. It's barely holding on. It's been bruised. It's been crushed. It's been damaged. And perhaps that's how you're feeling this morning. You feel crushed under the weight of anxiety. Wondering if you too will be among those at work getting your hours cut, if you're able to keep your job at all. Or you feel weighed down with fear as you consider the possibility that a loved one might become sick, or even worse, might become really sick. And you've had to keep the news at an arm's length just to try to find some relief. Perhaps the isolation that you experienced during the first few weeks of the stay-at-home order was a welcome change of, of pace. But now, increasingly, the loneliness that seems to accompany your days is getting harder to drown out or ignore. Or, or perhaps even now, as you try and listen to me over the little voices and the, the squirming bodies in the backseat of your car, you're aware of how chaotic and hectic your life has become over the course of this pandemic. Friends, I, I want us to look at Isaiah 42, verse 3 today, because I, I know that many of us feel like bruised reeds. It's just where we're at. And so to the beat up to the bruised, to the overwhelmed, to the anxious, to the hurting this morning, hear Isaiah's words to you afresh. A bruised reed he will not break. In fact, not only does Jesus refuse to discard us or, or throw us away when we're bruised and hurting, but it is in these moments that Jesus longs to connect with us the most. This past fall, my four-year-old son, he contracted RSV and ended up in the hospital for a brief stint. And in the few nights leading up to the hospitalization, when his coughing at night was relentless, I didn't love my son anymore in those moments. But my heart, it did go out to him. I wanted to be close to him. I found myself praying for him even more fervently. And in the same way, church, when we find ourselves crushed under the circumstances of life, Jesus doesn't love us anymore in those moments as if, as if that were even possible. But his heart goes out to us. He longs to draw near to us and bring comfort to us in our pain. Psalm 34 verse 18 says this, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. Friends, it is in this moment of, of weakness or grief or anger that Jesus longs to meet with you and show you his kindness. Well, now that is true, you might say. But of course, pastor, there are always people who have it worse than me. 
That's always the little refrain we have running in the back of our minds, isn't it? There's always people who have it worse than me. And that's why one of my favorite passages to turn to when looking at the compassion of Jesus is the story of the bleeding woman. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is met by a desperate man named Jairus who falls at at his feet and shares that his young daughter is dying. This little 12-year-old girl, she's dying. And so Jesus agrees to heal Jairus' daughter and they make out for his home at once. On the way there, Jesus feels power go out from him, and he stops the procession to find out who touched his cloak. A woman comes forward, falls at Jesus' feet, and admits that after touching the edge of Jesus' cloak, her bleeding of 12 years has just subsided. Jesus brings her to her feet, tells her that her faith has healed her, and then continues to make his way to Jairus' home, where he eventually raises Jesus' daughter or Jairus' daughter, rather, from the dead. Now, because the gospel writers tended to write so concisely, we forget how long Jesus' exchange with the bleeding woman would have actually taken. And remember, this was in the midst of an emergency. Jairus' daughter, she was dying. Jesus would have had to stop an enormous crowd that was pressing in all around him. Surely that would have taken some time. This huge mass of people that was crowding all around him. He had to stop everyone, get everyone to to slow down. And, And then he would have had to quiet everyone down so that he could be heard, which again would have taken even more time. And then he would have had to call out and ask for the person who touched him to come forward. And certainly this woman wouldn't have come forward right away, right? It would have taken a few minutes, if not many minutes, of awkward silence. Because let's not forget, it was against the law for a woman who was unclean, considered ceremonially unclean, to make physical contact with someone else who was considered ceremonially clean. Let alone to make contact with an influential rabbi. She would have had a lot of motivation to... to reveal herself. Rather, she wouldn't have had a lot of motivation to reveal herself. And so picture the minutes rolling by as Jesus, he just waited, he waited, he waited in the midst of this crisis. And then the woman would eventually have had to come and fall at Jesus' feet and explain her entire story. That would have taken some time. And then Jesus would have had to lift her up and talk to her. And while Luke simply records that Jesus told the woman that her faith had healed her, Luke also writes that Jesus was still speaking to the woman when it was announced that Jairus' daughter was dead. And so it is more than likely that Jesus and this woman, they had a, a rather nice long chat. And so here's, church, what is astounding to me. Here's why I bring all this up. This woman had been bleeding for 12 years, and, and so her, her medical issue, while While certainly awful and and stigmatizing, her issue clearly wasn't fatal. And and what's more, she'd already been healed. Jesus had already already healed her. Jairus' daughter, on the other hand, was on the verge of death at the very moment that Jesus stopped the crowd. And Jairus' daughter was a young girl. And so any harm that might have befallen this little girl would have been far more tragic 
than the struggles of an older woman who had been suffering for years. And yet, despite the fact that all of this was true, Jesus still stopped the crowd, took pains to quiet this huge mass of people, wasting precious time during an emergency, all that he might show kindness and compassion to a woman who desperately needed it. Listen to me, church. I really want you to hear me here. Jesus did not say to the bleeding woman, I'm glad that you were healed, but I really don't have time for you right now because I know of a little girl not too far from you who has it worse off than you. No, he showed compassion and kindness and warmth to a woman that was in need because that is who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. He's not comparing your your struggle, your suffering to to the person down the street from you and saying, well, well, do they deserve my kindness in this moment? That, That is not who Jesus is. That is not who he is. And so, friend, it is true that there is someone, probably even in this very parking lot, who has it worse than you right now. But this truth in no way diminishes Jesus' love and concern for you as you sit in your car or as you watch online. He longs to meet with you. He longs to comfort you. He longs to fill you with the peace that has proven so elusive in recent days. In the same way that Jesus called out to the bleeding woman after she touched him, Jesus calls out to each one of us and asks that we might fall at his feet, that we might run to him and find comfort. A bruised reed Jesus will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not break out, snuff out. Here we're given a picture of a a wick that was once fully ablaze, a a wick that helped light up the room, a wick that has since lost its fire and can now only be said to be smoldering. The heat is all but extinguished. And perhaps that's where you find yourself this morning. You, You feel like a wick that once burned brightly for Jesus. You remember how you worshipped, you remember how you served, you remember those times of secret intimacy with Jesus. But perhaps the overwhelming circumstances that surround you, or the disappointment that you've had to wade through, or the health issues that appeared uninvited, have turned your fiery passion for Jesus into a smoldering wick. And what does Jesus say to you this morning? To you who would say that your, your faith feels like it's on life support. To you who would say that you sing, but you, you just don't feel it. That, that prayer right now for you is a struggle. To you who would say that you believe in Jesus, and, and yet you just don't feel close to Him. Jesus says to you this morning afresh, a smoldering wick I will not snuff out. Listen, church, when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what were the very first words out of, out of the Lord's mouth? The, the first words out of God's mouth in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 were these, Where are you? Notice the first three words weren't, What have you done? Or, What's your problem? But the first three words out of the Lord's mouth were, Where are you? 
And friends, when we run from Jesus, when we keep him at arm's length, when we allow the disappointments or the distractions of this world to steal away our attention, the first words out of Jesus' mouth are the same. Where are you? And you know, perhaps you are resisting reestablishing connection with Jesus because you fear the voice of reprimand. Failing to understand that what Jesus wants most is not five minutes of, of your time so that he can speak his mind. But rather, what he wants is you. He, he wants back your time. He wants back your attention. He wants back your hearts. To many here today, I believe Jesus is calling, where are you? In the hopes that you might return to him. And find comfort in him once again. Friends, let, let me end with, with this last thought. The glorious good news of the Bible shows us that not only does Jesus want to protect us in our weakened state, but that he actually wants to restore us. He, he wants to take that bruised reed and, and plant it by water so that it sends out its roots by the stream. That this reed might have no worries in a year of drought to never fail to bear fruit, as Jeremiah 17 says. And he wants to take this smoldering wick and he wants to set it ablaze, that it might burn with passion for God's kingdom. He wants to breathe on this wick and ignite it so that it burns afresh. Now, now how, how does this happen? How are bruised reeds and smoldering wicks restored? Well, we find the answer, church, in, in Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said these famous words, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Weary and burdened. That, that sure sounds like bruised reeds and smoldering wicks to me. Listen, if the three words that define the Old Testament are, are these words from Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, where are you? Then the three words that define the New Testament are right here in Matthew 11. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me, Jesus says, you who have been bruised and crushed. Come to me, you who have, have flown past second and third and fourth chances and caused pain to all around you. Come to me, you whose love for me has grown cold. Come to me, you who are lonely or anxious or overwhelmed or confused. Come to me. Jesus says, by singing praises to me. Or come to me by sharing with me your doubts and your hurt and your confusion. Come to me by sitting with me in the silence. Or, or come to me by reading my word. Come to me, come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Church, the, the wonderful news that that all of us can rest in today is a bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. You're tempted to, to stay distant from Jesus because of your shame, because of your guilt, because of the decisions that you've made, because of the hurt that you're carrying. 
And you need to know this morning that it is in this moment, it is in this place that Jesus most wants to meet you and comfort you and share his love with you. Here's what I'd like to do, church. I would, I would love to give a chance for some of us to respond. And there's two groups in particular who I'd love to respond and pray with me in just a moment. The, the first group are, are those among you who would say, you know, as you, you shared those words of Jesus, come to me. I, I know that this is a day that I need to come to Jesus. That, that perhaps you, you didn't grow up in, in church. All of this is new for you. You have never consciously made a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. And you know that this is the day that Jesus is asking you to say yes to Him. That this is the day for you to say, I want to follow Jesus. And there are others of you who, today who perhaps you grew up in church, perhaps you've been hanging out around church for a long time, but if you were honest, you would say that those words, where are you, had a, had a particular sting this morning. Because if you were honest, you would say, I, I do not have a, a relationship with Jesus right now that is making a real difference in my life. That, that perhaps you, you have, would have said that, yes, I'm, I'm a person of faith, I have beliefs, but, but you know that you have not been walking with Jesus. You know the words for you this morning are, where are you? And in just a second, I'm going to invite you to pray with me as well. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, He took on flesh and He came to this earth and He lived a sinless, perfect life. And this Jesus, He went to the cross on our behalf and there on the cross, He, he received the punishment that you and I justly deserve. The punishment for your sins, for mine, it was paid for on the cross when Jesus substituted Himself in our place. That those who believe in Him, that those who receive Him, should receive forgiveness of their sins, should be declared righteous in the sight of the Father, and know that they are now sons and daughters of their Father who will spend eternity with Jesus. And so, this is your invitation today. Whether the words are from you this morning are come to me, that you're hearing these words from Jesus for the first time and you're ready to receive them, or the words from Jesus are or where are you? And you know that now it's the time to return. I'm going to invite you to pray with me now. And so, while you're at, while, while you sit in your car or, or online, I'm going to invite you to, to just pray these words with me in your own hearts. Just repeat them after me in your heart. You can pray with me now. Jesus, I recognize that I, I cannot save myself. I, I recognize that I need a Savior. And I ask right now that you would come and, and enter my heart, that you would come and make your home within me. I receive the forgiveness that you have for me, believing that, that I have been forgiven for everything that I've ever done and everything that I ever will do moving forward. I believe that I will spend eternity with you, Jesus. And I pray right now that you would give me the grace by your Holy Spirit to help me to walk in obedience 
with you moving forward. I repent of my sins. I turn from my sins and I want to live a life that honors you. Please come and fill me now, Holy Spirit, that I might be made a new creation. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. God bless you, church. I am so thankful for each and every one of you. I am so thankful for those of you who just prayed with me. You, you know, if you just prayed with me, I'm just going to invite you to, to shoot me a, a quick email. My email address is Christian, that is Christian spelled out, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, at gcvineyard.org. I would love to hear if the Lord did something in your heart today. I would love to hear that so I could pray for you and, and be encouraged by that. And so please, please email me if, if you just prayed with me so that, that we can praise God together. Bless you, church. Let's worship.